Welcome everybody to the show. I'm your host, Brian the Hype Ballard, and I'm back at it again with the WWE Clash of Champions, Gold Rush. The year was September 27, 2020. And here on Tap Out Talk, we're going to go deep into the realms of the Thunderdome, the year of the coronavirus. WWE was finding its niche in getting fans in the audience via the World Wide Web and getting the virtual experience in the wrestling ring, giving people time to perform in front of people again. This is part two of our series, The Rise of the Roman Empire. Part one starts with this retro review back at WWE Payback just a month ago. You can find that episode linked up above. But this is going to be an episode of acknowledgement for the Tribal Chief. Without further ado, let's get in. Alright guys, welcome again to the show. We're going to go through each of these matches briefly with the highlights and delights. We've got first up the Intercontinental Championship match. Jeff Hardy defending his title against the phenomenal AJ Styles and also Sami Zayn, the former champion that never lost the title. Clash of Champions, the idea is every title should be on the line. Kind of like a version of Knight of Champions. They kind of go back and forth on that. So what we got here is a really good opening match. We got a ladder match in the Thunderdome. We get a reminding package as each guy's entering the arena about why they have a good history with ladder matches and we get some packages that. One notable is Jeff Hardy's famous WrestleMania spot from the top of the ladder onto the floor through the other ladder. This match starts out with Styles decking Zayn to start, and Hardy follows up with a basement dropkick to Zayn's head. Hardy then heads to the outside to retrieve the ladder, but Styles connects with a baseball slide into the ladder into Hardy's chest. Hardy's hurting on the outside. Zayn heads to the outside and drops into the ladder into Hardy's back before doing the same to Styles. And Zayn slides the ladder into the ring and he tries to set it up, but Jeff Hardy stops him. Jeff Hardy then props the ladder up against the top rope and the back body drop and Zayn, the back body drops Zayn onto it. Hardy sets up the ladder and upside down and tries to drop Styles onto the supports, but Styles is too quick and he evades. Hardy heads to the second turnbuckle and dives towards Styles, but Styles sidesteps him and Cardi crashes rib first onto the support of the inverted ladder, causing a really crazy spot right at the beginning of the match. And um, he got actually fell over the rope and gets kind of caught in between the ladders as he's falling. Very dangerous spot for Jeff Hardy. So fast forward a little bit, Styles connects you know, back in the ring with a Pele kick and then climbs the ladder himself. And then Hardy climbs on the other side of the ladder because Hardy got right back up and in the ring despite that bad bump. Hardy gets dumped back into the mat. Styles pulls off the ladder before Styles can grab the belt. Zayn tosses Hardy out of the ring. And then, but Styles grabs Zayn's boot. And they go on and they go back and forth a little bit further. And they're just kind of going a traditional triple threat match style. Good high impact, good high energy, lots of ladder spots. The only thing I'd say is uh, this kind of match, while it was exciting to watch on TV, you know, this, you don't get the natural crowd reaction that you usually would get with these ladder matches in the Thunderdome. So, you know, nothing like a live WWE Universe and audience for these kind of ones. But ultimately, we then get um, action spilling onto the outside again. 
and uh, Zayn slams Hardy into the barricade and Styles slams Hardy's head into one of the ringside ladders. But Hardy fights back and he hits the poetry in motion off the ring steps. Zayn connects with a halluva kick and sends Hardy over the barricade. Zayn heads back into the ring and climbs the ladder once again. He's showing his villainous style and he's just too smart. But Styles grabs the short ladder and throws it at Zayn from the outside of the ring. And the flying ladder knocks Zayn down onto the mat. And he may have injured Zayn's right hand. Styles and Hardy climb the ladder, but wait, there's more. The ladder tips and sends both men to the outside. Boom! Right over the top. So now Zayn sets up the ladder and he climbs to get his titles back. But Styles goes for the phenomenal forearm from that outside of the ring and knocks Zayn off the ladder. And Hardy tips the ladder and sends it right into Styles into midair. Hardy hits Zayn with a twist of fate and climbs the ladder. So at this point, these guys are dishing punishment. Seesaw match up back and forth, faster and faster. We then um, go outside later on. And then we get a really huge spot later in the match where Hardy sets up a really huge ladder to the outside of the, and he hits a signature swanton bomb off the giant ladder into a bridging ladder spot, almost like it, what they just sh shown at the beginning with this WrestleMania ladder spot, right onto Sami Zayn this time. Zayn attacks Hardy on the outside and whips him into the barricade. And Zayn, at this point in the match, grabs two sets of handcuffs Zane puts the handcuffs through Matt or Jeff Hardy's earlobe. So the gauge that was like actually not in his ear, his stretched out earlobe. He puts the handcuff in between it. And then he hooks it to the ladder, sticking him right down there to the bottom. So Zane puts the handcuff through his earlobe, attaching it to the ladder. And Hardy and the ladder are inseparable at this point in time, just like his career. Oh, and that was a different kind of twisted sickness right that we've never seen really too much of in the wwe so it definitely you know made you did cringe a little even though you knew that it was very well protected styles hits a suplex so zane basically heads back in the ring and gets met with a suplex by styles but zane handcuffed himself to styles in the process of doing that styles tries to climb but zane goes limp to block him and just plays dead weight. Styles then puts Zayn on his shoulders and tries to climb the ladder, playing the hero against the villainous, very smart Sami Zayn. As Hardy heads back into the ring with his ear still attached to the other ladder, Zayn unlocks himself from the cuffs because he, all this time, had the key in his mouth to these handcuffs. And then the handcuffs, he unlocks the handcuffs from Styles. Zayn is climbing the other side of the ladder and he retrieves both of the belts for the Intercontinental Championship victory. Zayn climbs the other side of the ladder, he gets the belts, he wins, he looks genius in this one. And again, winning at about the 24 minute mark, Sami Zayn, and he gets interviewed after that. And then they say, I've never lost these titles, I've always been champion. Sami Zayn showed his true heel persona tonight and it was really really well done we get in a backstage segment right after this and surprisingly we get a new 24 7 champion you guys remember the 24 7 championship or maybe you don't want to and that's okay too our truth is backstage and he accidentally walks into the referee's room dressed as a minor we'll call him minor 49er for the night Truth uh, then goes back away slowly, getting away from any referees with this title. 
but Drew Gulak sneaks up behind him and rolls him up for a one, a two, and a three with the referee count. And Drew Gulak is now the 24-7 champion. Let's move on. We now go to the women's Raw title match. Nobody's ready for the champion Asuka, but is Zelina Vega. So this is a quick back and forth match, really quick. Um, you're gonna see most of this matchup with Zelina Vega working, you know, the arm of Asuka, trying to wear her down. Asuka toys with Vega to start the match, and she gets the best of the test of strength in the very beginning. Asuka muscles Vega to the mat and gets a one and a two. Asuka lands a forearm shot to the jaw and locks the side of the head. Vega whips Asuka to the ropes, breaks the hold, but Asuka levels Vega with a shoulder and blocks a rebound. Asuka catches Vega with an arm bar, but Vega makes it to the ropes and breaks the hold. Asuka hits a hip attack and sends Vega tumbling out to the apron already. And Asuka heads to the outside. She's not ready, but Vega slams her shoulder first into the ring steps. Vega rolls Asuka back into the ring and works her over in the corner just over and over and over again, hitting that weak spot of our hero. Vega locks in the hammer lock and flips to the bridge to add pressure. Asuka fights back to her feet and goes for the Asuka lock, but Vega tries to counter into an arm bar that she's been working on. Very good heel booking and wrestling in that move there. Asuka then goes for another hip attack, but Vega sidesteps her and locks in the crucifix around the top rope. Vega goes for the backstabber, but Asuka blocks it. Vega goes for a springboard kick in the corner, but Asuka blocks it. And she's fighting back and she's hawking up. And then she locks in the Asuka lock for the tap out and the submission for the match. Asuka defeats Selena Vega at the seven minute and five second mark with the Asuka lock. So on this one, we then get a nice little in-ring promo uh, in English from Asuka, followed by Zelina Vega wanting to shake her hand as a show of gratitude. And then Zelina Vega decides that they should bow to each other, and Asuka goes for it, and Zelina Vega kicks her square in the face and the chest. You know, definitely don't trust the heel in this situation. So at this point, she gets out of the ring and leaves. This is probably going to set up a continued match between these two. But Asuka's screaming in Japanese her native tongue and just going at it as then they go to the back. At this point then, we get the next matchup in a promo for the return bout from last month's payback, which is the Clash of Champions return bout with Bobby Lashley winning the title off of Apollo Crews. And this is the rematch that Apollo Crews has been fighting for. So this matchup, um, you know, kind of was this typical standard match. I actually prefer their matchup from Payback. I thought that one had a little bit more to it versus the one here in Clash of Champions. I felt like they were just doing business to do business. So they start out with uh, Apollo Crews. He's always a good wrestler. He clotheslines Lashley to the outside and follows up with a springboard moonsault. Cruz rolls Lashley back into the ring and heads up for a diving crossbody that gets him a one and a two. Lashley covers Cruz, goes for the corner, and hits him with a flatliner on the rebound, and Lashley works over Cruz in the corner and hits a vertical suplex for a one and a two. Cruz rolls to the outside, and Lashley follows him. Lashley lifts Cruz on his shoulders, but Cruz slides back out and shoves Lashley into the ring post. The action returns then into the ring, and Cruz drives his shoulder into Lashley's gut in the corner. Cruz catches Lashley with a back elbow and then Lash hits Lashley back right out to the outside. Cruz retrieves Lashley and hits a leap, leaping head kick. 
Cruz then hits a standing moonsault, but gets only a one, and you guessed it, a two. Cruz heads up to the top, and Lashley heads up, and then with him in hold, and then his superplex hits a one and a two again. And then Cruz fights back with a standing shooting star press and heads up top and hits a frog splash for no, you guessed it, not one, but two, a two count. Lashley catches Cruz with a choke slam midair and then slams him down and then locks in the hurt block for our second submission in a row. Bobby Lashley still your almighty United States champion defeating Apollo Cruz with the hurt lock at the eight minute and 13 second mark. That hurt lock would become the signature move of the hurt business for Bobby Lashley. Again, I like their first match where Lashley won the title, but we did need a return matchup that then would lead us away from Apollo Crews, and eventually he would get back down to NXT and begin some feuds down there with some younger talent for a much-needed main roster break. Next, we got the Raw Tag Team Championship. We've got the Street Profits versus Andrades, Cien Almas, and Garza. So these guys, Andrade and Garza, quickly go into the ring. Garza works over the arm and makes a quick take to Andrade. Andrade locks the standing side lock, but Dawkins breaks from it. Garza gets a tag and then hits uh, Ford in the ribs before suffering an unfortunate war robe malfunction that actually happened in the uh, match was a little awkward. But let's push forward because they're professionals. Andrade makes a quick tag back to Garza. Garza hits a running knee shot to the face and Garza locks the side headlock on Ford. But Ford gets under his feet and lifts him and Garza with a back suplex. Dawkins and Andrade get the quick tags and then Dawkins catches Andrade with an exploder suplex. Andrade fights back with a drop kick to the face and goes for the double knees in the corner, but Hawkins slides just out of the way. Garza and Ford get the tags and head up to the top, 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 top. And Garza hits the Spanish fly from the one and the two count on the map. Garza lands a knee shot in the face and makes the tag to Andrade. Andrade knocks Dawkins off the apron and works Ford over, but Ford breaks free and makes the hot tag to Dawkins. Dawkins hits Andrade with the, uh, with the anointment. And gets the one, the two, and the three. But Andrade definitely kicked out at two. But there was a three count by the referee. And the referee's decision is final. The team checks on Andrade. The medical team checks on him at ringside after the match. So it's not clear if the referee really did make a mistake. Or it was intentionally ending the match due to an injury. And we kind of just got to go on wondering what happened in this one. But regardless, I digress. Angelo Dawkins defeats... Andrade with the atonement at 8 minutes and 19 seconds mark. You know, these match uh, tag team matchups and all these guys can wrestle, right? Um, I've always liked Andrade in WWE better than AEW. And um, I just felt like he was a better fit with this product and this brand. The Street Profits, to this day, are still one of the best tag teams um, going on in the WWE. So with that being said, you know, it was right to keep the Raw Tag Titles on these guys. Keeping with the Wyatt crew, I want to say thank you to you guys out on Twitter. All 15,000 of my friends and followers that just support me like you do. And even you guys that hit this like button on this channel. 
each and every time a video comes out. It so helps out my channel, helps me grow, and helps me take you guys along, you know, and be on that journey with me. Speaking of the group that's with me, fansofprowrestling.com. You want to be a part of that group? Check us out. You know, it's a good group. Positive side of the IWC. Let's get in. Backstage segment coming up. We've got R-Truth. Here he is looking like the miner, dressed in as the old man. And he attacks Drew Gulak from the backstage and wins back the 24-7 championship. You know he's not leaving this pay-per-view without it. Drew Gulak was given a speech about how he dedicated his win to Akira Tozawa, who apparently was eating by, uh, eaten by a shark during the program. Not sure really what they're doing with that, but um, it was kind of good for a chuckle and laugh, just like this title. Up next, we've got what was Bailey going to defend her SmackDown Women's Championship against Nikki Cross. But change of plans no more. Nikki is not in this and pulled from the card for tonight. So then, since Nikki Cross isn't medically cleared to compete, Bailey comes to the ring and issues an open challenge saying she has nobody who wants a shot at her title. And here comes the Raw Women's Champion, Asuka. Asuka, looking to blow off some steam from earlier, hits a drop kick to the face and follows up with a hip attack. Asuka goes for the armbar, but Bailey rolls her into a pinning predicament for a one and a two. Asuka goes for the Asuka lock, but Bailey slides out of the ring, and Bailey heads back into the ring and hits a suplex for a one and a two. Bailey focuses on Asuka's injured left arm from match earlier in the night. Good continued booking there. And that was uh, injured by Zelina Vega, if you remember. So Bailey hits the armbar and then a heads up, but Asuka knocks her down from the top to the outside. Asuka heads to the outside and levels Bailey with a roundhouse kick to the head. Asuka hits a German suplex on the outside, and these guys are going at it. And then at this point, Bailey grabs a steel chair and she connects it and smacks Asuka with it, causing the disqualification. Bailey grabs her championship at ringside, is ready to celebrate because she's retained her title at this point because she did not, cannot change the title on a disqualification in a standard match. Asuka wins, Bailey keeps her title, but then all of a sudden, she is attacked by Sasha Banks, it looking very angry in a neck brace. She attacks Bailey with a chair. Bailey fights back and rolls Banks into the ring, and then Bailey grabs two chairs and a kendo stick. Banks kicks the knee and grabs the kendo stick. Banks goes to work on the kendo stick shots and then grabs the chair. Banks hurls the chair towards Bailey, and Bailey retreats to the outside. Asuka, end result is Asuka does defeat Bailey here via disqualification. However, the real story for this one, that match was only about 3 minutes and 33 seconds long, but the real story in this one was Sasha Banks returning, looking to set up the next matchup with possibly a Hell in a Cell match at the next pay-per-view. And so that's what they were looking to do here is build to the bigger match. This could have been a Monday Night Raw type segment. This could have been a Monday Night Raw match. Um, but I know that eventually, you know, Nikki Cross was in there not to win that title tonight. Asuka filling in. I don't know. I think it was just like a quick way to get the match over and done with and continue and build to the next pay-per-view. Continuing it on, let's continue on here. And let's talk about this WWE Championship match, which was an ambulance match. We got the veteran Randy Orton getting his title shot against Drew McIntyre. Now, it was just a month ago, Randy Orton was feuding with Keith Lee, who has all but disappeared at this point. 
um, due to some booking issues. But ultimately, Drew McIntyre was giving Randy Orton a shot. And on paper, these two definitely, you know, do well together. And they do well together in the ring. Uh, Drew Gulak was actually, Drew Gulak, Drew McIntyre was actually saying on a Stone Cold podcast that I watched recently that he was always said that Randy Orton was his Joker to his Batman. He was always like the best villain for him to fight. But let's see how this one turns out. So I like to call this matchup the Legends Revenge. And you guys are going to see why. McIntyre takes the fight to Orton immediately. And as soon as the bell rings, he levels him off with a stiff punch. Orton gets back to his feet and goes for the RKO, but McIntyre has it well scouted and he blocks it. Orton kicks out in the middle of the rope, and then he hits the patented rope-assisted DDT that he loves to do. Orton then sets up for the punt, but suddenly, uh-oh, we get a legend interference through the big show. And pulls Orton out of the ring and choke slams him through the announce table. So, big show interfering out of nowhere on this one. These were all people that Randy Orton has legend killed in recent recently and wanted some payback. The big show leaves quickly as he arrived, but then McIntyre drops Orton onto the barricade. They continue on with their fruit, their feud. McIntyre slams Orton through the ring post and stops on Orton's hand. McIntyre picks up Orton, throws him face first into the back door of the ambulance. They're already at the ambulance for the ambulance match. McIntyre grabs a steel chair and drives it into Orton's ribs. And this steel chair is bright red with a big medical white cross on it. So it's not your standard steel chair. They then fight back with crutch shots. Yes, there's crutches at ringside there. So they use the crutches and the steel chair. Orton picks up the chair and grinds it into McIntyre's fractured jaw. Orton opens the back door of the ambulance. Both men brawl into the ambulance. Double disqualification, maybe? Nah, can't end like that. They continue to brawl next to the stage as they come out. Orton slams McIntyre face first into the side of the ambulance. Orton tries to slam McIntyre's hand into the driver's door of the ambulance, but McIntyre counters it with a Glasgow kiss. McIntyre goes for the Claymore, but Gordon dives out of the way to avoid, which causes McIntyre to kick the open ambulance door right off its hinges. Now, I know this was meant to be a pretty sweet spot, but I am going to say it did come across a little cheesy. That door looked like it was taped on with duct tape or, you know, at least all the bolts and hinges were very undone and not even connected. And you just seen it kind of fall off as he barely touched it. But we got to have suspension of disbelief when we watch our wrestling. So he kicked the door off. Yeah, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. So at this point, um, Christian, another legend, shows up out of nowhere. And he, see what I did there? Out of nowhere and throws Orton into one of these catering tables in the back as they're brawling by catering. Didn't look like there was really any food left out. Everybody must have already ate, but Christian leaves. McIntyre slowly as he gets to his feet, so we got an appearance by Christian helping the Drew McIntyre cause. McIntyre beats Orton back into the arena after some fighting, tosses Orton onto the hood of the ambulance, and McIntyre climbs the hood of the ambulance with Orton. But Orton gauges McIntyre's eye he gouges it out and then throws him back first into the windshield with a broken windshield now. At this point, you do see Orton's back bleeding. So um, you do get some of that and see some of that in this matchup. Orton beats McIntyre onto the roof of the ambulance. He connects with a knee to a jaw. McIntyre begins to slide off of the back of the ambulance. And Orton stops on McIntyre's hand to make him lose grip and he falls to the floor. But then we get none other than the Heartbreak Kid. He doesn't lay down for nobody. Shawn Michaels hits him with a sweet chin music. 
and he shoves him bye-bye right off of the top of the ambulance. Nice little spot for the legend of the Heartbreak Kid there. So again, Legend's Revenge theme kicking out in this ambulance match. At this point, Orton goes to the floor and he slides out and he hits the RKO, just staying in survival. Barely out of nowhere. Orton rolls McIntyre into the back of the ambulance and this is really where he closes one door. And Orton takes his time at this point. So this is where I gotta complain a little. If I was Randy Orton, I'm in a championship anything goes match and I've already seen three legends come at me with interference, knowing that there's probably more. And so what I'm doing is I shut that door. I'm shutting the door quickly. I'm getting this match over with and winning that championship. But Orton plays the sly, fatigued, and he kind of just gloats and glances and glares at the cloud, at the crowd. And then ultimately, that causes McIntyre to come out of the ambulance door. And then McIntyre actually hits um the skull punt or basically then he hits the glasgow kit or the uh yeah the glasgow kiss and then at that point um he hits again his finishing move and then he throws orton in so he hits it twice as orton's starting to crawl back out and then rick flair actually as drew mcintyre wins the match by defeating randy orton and putting him in the ambulance match so once he hits him with his finisher, puts him in there. And then Ric Flair is actually shown as the final legend for this match, driving off in the distance. So Drew McIntyre defeats Randy Orton in a pretty fun, entertaining match at the 21 minute, 35 second mark. I will say about this match, I love the concept of the legend's revenge. I thought it was a great way to use the stipulation and to kind of get that payback on Randy Orton. Now, I will say I think it was wasted on the Thunderdome crowd. Again, some of these matches, they just do better when you have a live audience to work with. And I just felt like it fell. It was cool to see on TV. But Randy Orton works a very slow, methodical type paced match. And I don't know if he's meant for these hardcore brawling kind of matches. There was never a part in this match where it kicked up the volume and they went into third gear, right? To, you know, really excel and um you know i think if it wasn't for the legends popping up out of nowhere and we pop for them at different points i think this match could have been a little dull and a little slow and it's just not randy's style so speaking of style we're going to get into the main event and this is why you are here this is for the universal champion with main event jay uso fighting for his family's honor going against roman wreck everything reigns because he's not the tribal chief yet not yet in this journey quite with paul Heyman bringing him to side roman returned at SummerSlam a couple months ago he wrecked everyone he left and then he won the universal title last month at payback and at payback he actually got the title after waiting for the ring to collapse and pandemonium to go wild before penny and taking care of the fiend and rome uh, braun Strowman to win this title and that's when you see him sign the contract at the last minute and a little element of heel turn for roman and we got more of that roman comes out to a shirtless gear losing the shield gear for the first time in his career so roman comes out with that but he still has that shield music he's not quite letting go so far so we get a nice video package of these two history as children growing up 
talking about how Roman was always the big bad out of him and the Usos, Jimmy and Jay. So main event, Jay Uso comes out, Roman comes out, we're ready to go. They circle each other to start. They lock up and Reigns shoves the Usos to the mat. And then Reigns moves Jay to the corner and then tosses him out of the ring. Uso charges back into the ring and lands two different stiff punches, but Reigns levels Uso with a clothesline for a one and a two. Reigns chokeslams Jay against the middle rope and then slams him face first into the top turnbuckle. At this point, Reigns decks Uso and then knocks him down the apron. Reigns heads to the outside and slams Jay's head onto the apron. Reigns slams Jay's head into the announcer's table and then rolls him back in the ring for a one and a two. But then we get Roman Reigns who locks in a seated rear chin lock, but, but Uso fights back to his feet because he's just not giving up. He's taking advantage of this opportunity to become world champion. So Reigns lands a headbutt, but Uso fights back with a drop kick to the gut and a Samoan drop for a one and a two. Basically then at this point, Roman whips Reigns to the corner and then charges towards him, but Reigns catches Uso with a Superman punch and then Uso rolls to the outside and Reigns just follows him. They trade punches all at ringside going all around. There comes to a point where uh, the match when it's shifting from match to story mode. So as these guys are trading and they're fighting and going back and forth and there's a diving crossbody, there's two counts everywhere for that. There's a, uh, he lands, there's a super kick by Jay Uso. He gets a two count for that. Uso goes back up top, leapfrogs down and guess what? Roman charges towards the corner and Uso turns and eats a running leg drop from Reigns. Reigns goes for a spear, but Uso counters with a roll up for another two count. So these guys were just all over with the two counts and the moves. And then there gets a point in the match where the guys are beaten and Reigns is clearly dominating Jay and beating him onto the mat over and over. And he's trying to get him to acknowledge him. He says, this can all go away. You want to be on the next level, but I live up here. You're just trying to get here. It's not your fault though. You can make this all go away by acknowledging me as the head of the table, as your tribal chief. I want to hear you say it, says Roman. Paul Heyman gets a little nervous at ringside, and he acknowledges Roman and says, you are my tribal chief. Yes, I. you are. You are the tribal chief. You're the head of the table. Roman looks at Paul and says, I don't want to hear it from you. I want to hear it from him. I need to hear it from him. There's more beatdown going on. The referee tries to stop the match at one point, and Roman threatens the referee, Charles Robinson, and says, you stay out of this. This is family business. I've been doing this for my whole life since we were kids. So at this point, Jimmy Uso hobbles down to the ringside injured, and he tells Jay he's going to throw in the towel. And as he does, he tells him, but Jay is refusing. He says, no, don't do it, don't do it. Roman then looks at Jimmy and says, I want you to acknowledge it. If you're going to throw in that towel, I want you to acknowledge I'm your tribal chief. That's the biggest who's your daddy moment in the history of WWE, I'm sure. Jay begs Jimmy not to throw in the towel, but Reigns beats Jay viciously and drags him back in the middle of the ring. Jimmy has no choice but to throw the towel in. And Jimmy throws the towel and tells Reigns that he's the chief so that Reigns will stop beating Jay. Ray does stop, or Jay does get beat more and then Roman eventually stops. Jimmy gets in the ring 
and he emits it again, and he says that's it, just chill. But the end result of this one is Roman Reigns defeats Jey Uso when Jumi Uso throws in the towel on his brother's behalf at the 22 minute and 56 second mark. And what we get here is the rise of Roman to be acknowledged as the tribal chief. He looks at Paul Heyman. There was a lay, a red lay, that Jey Uso wore to the ring tonight. He looks at Paul and says, I want it. And Paul Heyman ceremoniously grabs that lay and puts it over Roman Reigns as he's staring at Jey Uso's body and Jimmy almost begging for him to not beat his brother again. Roman Reigns has shedded his shield gear and traded it in for the tribal look and the ceremonial lay. And he is now the tribal acknowledged chief by Jimmy Uso. Great matchup here. Great storytelling. It went on last. And that's the exact place it needed to be, guys. I remember when I first seen this matchup and I was a little questionable, but like, why is Jey Uso in the main event? We fast forward to what we know now over a thousand days later and we see why that happened. I love long-term booking and when a story goes so long and then it just comes full circle, we're just starting to see that mature with the Usos now past Roman's thousand day mark and at Night of Champions, uh, which I just did a review, I'll leave up here. But ultimately, great matchup for these two and it was just a really good main event Jey Uso match setting up to something a little bit stronger next month maybe at Hell in the Cell let's move on and move on we're going to we've got our final thoughts so WWE Clash of Champions every title's defended we had the opening ladder match that started us off with such huge expectations and I found that it was very hard to follow that match for me for some of those mid-card matches the women's championships, the uh, intercontinental title even. Not that, you know, they just kind of seemed to fly by very quickly for me. And they were shorter in, in term. But it didn't really kick back up until we got the Legends Revenge. Um, and that was in the concept that should have been built a little more towards WrestleMania in my mind. When there was like a full crowd in, in play. Um, I do say that, you know, Randy is just not that kind of a brawling outside guy. And he definitely is more of a methodical heel that he played. And it did slow down the match. And if it wasn't for, like I said, the legends being involved, I don't know if I would have been into this match as much. But we did get past that. And speaking of getting past it, will Roman Reigns or Jimmy or Jay Uso, will they get past all their drama at the end of Clash of Champions? The transition of Roman Reigns into a heel persona is slowly been done correctly. A brief show up at SummerSlam, winning a universal title, and now the beating of his cousins and being acknowledged as their Samoan tribal chief. Roman ditching the shirt and going shirtless for this from now on. That was a good way to go to change up his look and to make people forget about the shield. And then, but he does keep the shield music because those changes are subtle. And I love when the WWE does the little things that make the world a difference in storytelling. And I know that was done by design. They don't do anything by just doing it on accident. There's a nice, subtle touch to his progression. And Roman Reigns, again, this trilogy of pay-per-views, Payback, Clash of Champions, Hell in the Cell, it's the rise of the Roman Empire. 
And that's my final thoughts on Clash of Champions Gold Rush. Thank you guys for watching. Like, share, subscribe. And it's not goodbye around here. No, we'll be back. It's just game over.